0: Welcome to Divorce TV News, and we've got our expert interview tonight with Tommy Maloney. He's back again, talking about blending the family, and a shared story from a new guest called Despina Mavridou about her book. And we're ending ending with a lovely healing from Debbie Talalay. What is happening in the news? <laughs> IBB Law talks about Good Divorce Week 2021, putting your children first. So each year resolution holds a Good Divorce Week and this year it is running from the 29th of November to the 3rd of December. With no fault divorce on the horizon many practitioners who are members of resolution which is the Family Law Association in the UK are hopeful that that the stigma attached to divorce will be a distant memory and that clients can have an amicable and non-confrontational divorce. I think that's a little bit aspirational. Uh, We definitely want to get rid of fault-based divorce, but I don't don't know if tell me in in California you haven't had a fault-based divorce for a long time, have you? Would you say that you've still got lots of of uh, only distant memories of confrontation. Uh, Sadly, I feel that's not the case. Resolution was founded in 1982 by a group of family lawyers who believed in a non-confrontational approach to family law practice. The aim was to produce positive outcomes for those engaging in the justice system. Solicitors who are members of resolution work with families and individuals to resolve family law issues in a constructive way. That's the theory. Their code of practice is as follows. Reduce or manage any conflict and confrontation. Is that is that what you found with your solicitors? If you if you've been divorced in the UK, um, if so, please do leave something in the comments to explain. Support and encourage families to put the best interests of any children first. That would be wonderful if it was always the case. Act with honesty, integrity, and objectivity. I've no doubt that that is the majority of the lawyers, but. Uh, but some of you may have had some unlucky experiences. Help clients understand and manage the potential long-term financial and emotional consequences of decisions. Are, they, are lawyers really the best place to, to do that? Listen to and treat everyone with respect and without judgment, and use experienced knowledge to guide clients through the options available all of those options that's interesting so this year resolution are focused on embracing a child focused approach to good divorce week the campaign is more poignant than ever this year as many couples have been under immense pressure during the pandemic this pressure plus the stress related to dealing with a divorce is often overbearing for families and this naturally also impacts any children to the marriage so how can you have a good divorce these are the top tips that a resolution provide. Instruct a resolution practitioner. So by instructing a solicitor that adopts that approach it can often reduce conflict and in turn reduce your costs. Court will always be the last resort in terms of strategy and will be avoided unless absolutely necessary. Um, I might be wrong and please correct me lawyers if so but in the UK are not the vast majority of family lawyers members of Resolution, um, and is what I've described the experience of their clients. Do feel free to share in the um, in the comments. A conciliatory approach is also uh, a top tip, may not always be possible, uh, fair enough, but you know that instructing a Resolution Solicitor, they will always support an amicable settlement with the needs of your children at the forefront. Has that been your experience of UK solicitors? Consider discussing alternatives to the court process with your solicitor. I like this bit. These can include mediation, roundtable meetings, arbitration or a collaborative process. Did your solicitor fully explain all these options right up front? Because I talk to lots of people who've spoken with solicitors and they're absolutely not clear on these options. And if you think about it, you're asking solicitors to send you away to the competition and lose income. So I don't think that's a a good position to put them in, quite frankly from a sort of business point of view. And four, it says, Familiarise yourself with Resolution's Parenting Through Separation Guide, which is a free resource aimed at helping parents to achieve a constructive approach through separation. And I'll I'll make sure I stick a link to that um, a bit later on so you can access it, because that is, I'm sure, a very, very useful resource. Moving on to Legal Futures, uh, who are, again, talking about the divorce industry, particularly in the UK here, where it says acting for both sides may become the norm in divorce work. At the moment, you can ask a lawyer to act for both of you and, and quite often they'll they'll say that they can't or they won't uh, because there's a real worry about uh, making sure that each person has, um, but that there's no conflict of interest and it's, it's difficult for a lawyer to give you independent clear advice and at the same time to effectively be some kind of a mediator. So I totally see why that is, is an issue. However, it says it, it was it uh, this future where lawyers act for both sides as a matter of course, is a new kind of surface which is being sketched out by resolution because there is a demand for it, especially if you've got a very uncomplicated and amicable divorce. It was likely that the family legal market would segment, the article says, to provide different levels of service provided by a more stratified range of professionals. The family lawyers group identified a range of drivers reshaping the market, including changed behaviour in consumers, commercial imperatives, changes in the court system and legislation and procedures and advances in technology so large firms handling high net worth and complex matters would continue to attract that segment of the market although they should not be complacent as they are too uh, likely as well to have to adjust to delivery in line with uh, consumer demand which i means i'm assuming they mean more sort of online uh, work Similarly, those who dealt with care proceedings or domestic abuse would continue to service a growing market, albeit one at risk from legal aid cuts and changes in policy. It says between these two are a significant majority of providers who will need to change the ways in which they work, explained the Family Justice Briefing 2021. Segmentation might prove to be Another key element to the emergence of new professionals as they spot gaps in the market or for existing members, especially those who are younger, seeking more attractive or fulfilling ways of working. And one example of that I've seen is is lawyers stopping being lawyers and becoming mediators, for example, or focusing on collaborative law and keeping out of court. Because emotionally, it's a really, it's much more... Uh, yeah, attractive to some people who find the court side a, a, bit, um, a bit harsh. So these professionals may well include legal professionals who could choose to abandon current models of family legal practice, depart from regulated practice and work as providers in their own right, offering services to both people involved in various forms of relationship breakdown, including divorce. So it says that the implementation next year of a no-fault divorce registration system, which also provides for separating couples to jointly register their decision to divorce, so you won't have to, one of you, petition, you can both do that, which I think is a great thing, raised the question of whether working with both clients would necessarily and always represent a conflict of interest, the report said. If there is no real conflict of interest, then there may be no significant issue around client confidentiality either. If the government's intent is to reduce conflict within families, they may come to consider that not being able to receive services jointly from a single legal advisor may of itself fuel conflicts. Even if issues such as conflicts of interest and client confidentiality cannot be resolved, by stepping away from regulated practice as a solicitor, practitioners could forge new ways of working with both clients acting for both parties has already begun, such as a service offered by Witherslaw, as well as the barrister-led divorce surgery and unregulated business, Amicable. Last year, a senior high court judge granted declarations, making it clear that Amicable did not break conflict of interest rules by acting for both husband and wife. Resolution said once high-profile firms start to provide this type of service others will follow. No doubt existing firms and practices will be watching the progress of these initiatives closely and may well choose to set up a similar service. It is also likely to attract the attention of other providers looking to fill what they perceive as a gap in the market. The report suggested that family law could follow the path of convincing practice. It is easy to see that there is a possibility that a new professional, the licensed family advisor or family legal advisor, may be an attractive proposition for those whose primary interest is in a more comprehensive approach to resolving matters arising from family relationship breakdown and transition. We're already doing that, best way to divorce. So a bit more on that later. This all meant that the traditional models for high street practice may be difficult to return to or sustain over time, while the ability to work more flexibly and remotely may help women in particular. Resolution also predicted that in an economy hit by both COVID 19 and Brexit, there will be a question of ethical practice and how reasonable it is or can be to encourage people to incur further debt to pay for legal services. It is likely that courts will also look at costs more forensically and there is already no shortage of reporting in relation to costs being queried by the judiciary. Now this is really good, we brought this up last week The judges are starting to get really cross with people who just unnecessarily hike the costs up for the other person just to be difficult, or lawyers that support that process. It is recognised that lawyers have significant overheads and that the rate for the job also reflects the level of expertise they hold. Unfortunately, in a competitive market, they cost too much for a considerable percentage of the population. In addition, there have been difficulties in commoditizing services to fixed fees. however, if a way, if ways cannot be found to address this, smart providers will profit most, especially those whose offer is online outside of regulated practice and which does not involve them in overheads such as buildings and staff and then finally, to something much more silly. Sport Bible is talking about the former NFL player's ex-wife who throws a divorce party with friends. So after finalising their papers, Bray, TC's friends decided to organise her a divorce get-together to announce to the world that she is now single. Wearing a one-piece swimsuit with the word single stitched into it, TC posed for pictures alongside her pals in a swanky apartment overlooking a beach. She even had a heartbroken cake, bearing the words, I do, I did, I'm done, divorced at last. Do you think she looks heartbroken? I don't think so. For most, going through a divorce must be emotionally draining, continues the article. But for Tacey, the glowing grin from ear to ear plastered on her face probably suggests otherwise. Thanks to all my girls for the craziest divorce party, Tacey wrote in her Instagram caption. No shade to Jay, wish you nothing but the best, love ya. Former Cleveland Browns quarterback Manziel saw the funny side of things, commenting on his ex-partner's post with 10 laughing emojis. The pair got hitched in 2018, but it's understood a divorce has been ongoing since 2019. TC claiming in an old Instagram post that vows were broken. and welcome to our expert interview for today. Thank you for coming back again, Tommy. As always, it's lovely to have you here. And you're gonna talk about something very pertinent and very timely, aren't you?
1: I'm gonna do my best here, Susie. Thank you for allowing me to once again be the token American uh, on your show. <laughs> I, love, I love the ability to uh, share my knowledge on your show. So again, thank you for allowing me to have the airwaves um, yes.
0: Pleasure to have you. So yes, the holidays are coming and some parents who are co-parenting may have realized that maybe they didn't plan this well enough. What kind of, what kind of issues come up and what, and what could you share from your own experience as well about some, some good advice for people, for this, particularly for this time of year?
1: Yeah, you bring up a great point, Susie. And as somebody who didn't hire uh, an attorney when I first went through my divorce, it's one of the biggest regrets I have, because when the parenting agreement was created, it was created from uh, my former spouse. So some of the things I didn't really look at going into the future really affected me. And so, again, I'm not a legal person, but I know a lot of the things that you talk about on your program, you really need to protect, not just yourself, Susie, but you need to protect your children as well. And one of the things that I learned was I really was in that emotional state when I was uh, autographing my divorce papers and really didn't think about the future. And especially now, you know, here in America, we just celebrate Thanksgiving. We've got, you know, the holidays are are in the process right now. We've got Christmas. And one of the things that we would like to talk about today is, is the world of co-parenting and, you know, trying to do your best as a parent. Now, I want to stress, it's not a competition. This is not about who can be the better parent around the holidays. This is about putting your kids first. And, you know, one of the things I, I was kidding when we before we started uh, uh, here was I've been watching Ted Lasso, the Jason Sudeikis uh, show. And a lot of the things in that show are about co-parenting. So for example, Jason Sudeikis's character goes from America to the UK to take a, a job. We didn't know going forward that he was in the midst of uh, separation from his uh, wife and he has a son. So a lot of the show is playing out in the real world, and you actually get to see him sitting in a hotel room signing off on his divorce papers. So what I wanna suggest, number one, is you know, make sure you protect yourself and protect your kids when you are creating that parenting agreement. And that parenting agreement should not be one-sided. It should be both parties. I know you were just talking about one of the stories about lawyers trying to play both sides. I I personally, I think that's a great idea just because it can alleviate a lot of the financial burden, but also mediation right then and there can help uh, looking at the future. So that's, that's something that I wanna stress to, again, to your audience, no matter UK, United States, anywhere, you have to protect yourself and you have to protect your kids.
0: But just, just to um, clarify there, though, because um, I, I don't know how this happens, whether this happens much in the States, but here there can be confusion often for people because the if the lawyers could take on a sort of mediating role and roundtable discussions. But actually, if you're talking about the future of your family, it's probably worth investing an actual trained mediator who may also be a lawyer, but may not. So just, it's just really important that people get the right expert for the right job. Um, but would, I'd love to know, um, Tommy, what kind of things came back to bite you? What were you not on the ball with um, for whatever reason initially that you thought, oh God, if I could have my time again, I would have, I would have made sure we put that in the agreement or reinforce it in some way?
1: Well, the, the biggest thing was my former spouse tried to move out of state To another state taking our our son and that was not in the parenting agreement at all even though it said neither parent had any idea that they were going to be moving well that needs or should have been put in the parenting agreement that neither parent will be leaving the state and that's where it, it, it bit me because I had to hire a lawyer I, had to max, I ended up maxing out a credit card. I had to borrow money from my now wife. Um, I had to borrow money from another family member in order to pay for the lawyer to make sure that my son was not going to leave the state. So that was probably the biggest thing where I do regret not having an attorney um, help me with the parenting agreement as far as when I received it, Having somebody look at it I was just in a state of shock like I said yeah. Susie I just signed the papers and then sent them back in so that that bit me bad
0: Hard. and how and what was the outcome you can't leave us hanging
1: yes I can <laughs> just kidding
0: <laughs> did it work did did all or, or, or after all that did you have to travel into a different state to to see no your so child?
1: I I tell people, even on my podcast, there was not a winner in this. Yes, the judge did favor uh, our side and did clearly say that um, my son was not leaving the state. So it, it like I said, I don't want to call it a win. I just want to say mm-hmm. it worked out. So that's. But it, but it, you it had that awful story.
0: an awful journey, and you know having to take the mother of your child to court in order to do that so that's you know that's that's as you say no that's not a win and but it was avoidable and that's the the, that's what's so important um and whether you're using an attorney or if you're using any template but just getting something checked because there's some things that you could make legally binding and then there's a lot of things you just need to sort of agree on because it's not you can't make every single element of your parenting legally binding because it's going to evolve and change so have you got any examples of things that you know wouldn't have gone into a legal document but you're very glad that you discussed in advance or you did uh didn't but have since managed to resolve so that's um, less critical as your child disappearing off to a different state. Uh, let's talk about holidays, for example.
1: So with the holidays, uh, we did have it written. Um, my son's 18 now, so uh, luckily we don't have to bounce uh, our kid, our kids. Actually, between my wife and I, we have three, and they're all three, college age. But the the thing was setting, you know, the years. So I believe my former spouse had the odd years for Christmas Eve and then I had the even years. And, you know, for us it worked out, but there were times where, uh, again, being a bonus family, a blended family, we did want to make sure we had all three kids together at the same time. And that was, you know, difficult because not only am I dealing with my former spouse but my wife is dealing with her former spouse trying to get all the kids on the same schedule so you know that's something you really can't really foresee uh, in the parenting agreement going through a divorce that one day you possibly will remarry and possibly have uh, a blended family and so communication was very vital Uh, my former spouse likes a lot of time to be notified Mm -hmm. so i made sure that uh, when we had schedules and that the schedules were somewhat in stone i would reach out to my former spouse my wife would reach out to her former spouse and you know between the four of us do our best to make sure that the holidays were not stress on them Mm -hmm. and because if they start getting stressed out, the holidays aren't going to be as fun.
0: And I, I interest what you say about not being able to foresee. But I'm often saying to people, hey, "Do a parenting plan and and use that plan to think about what if I have you have a partner, I have a partner. You know, how's that going to be? How evolved do we feel about that? If we're really upset about that, let's not make unrealistic plans and let's plan for right now and then aspirational." somewhere to head to um and there's nothing to to stop people using you know like split smart or other online uh co-parenting <laughs> templates to really design it as they want and and the vast majority of that will never become legally binding but as you said it's about getting the communication right about finding what works for the other person and keeping the um and also i think one thing you can do and would you agree with this that in a plan you can say if we've got a problem this is how we'll deal with it maybe there's a a mediator or a child a parenting expert that they both trust and with any third party who can help did you ever need to do that or did you manage to somehow you know make it work
1: yeah we made it work um it was not always easy and there were times where i luckily my my wife god bless her she, you know i would get ready to send an email off to my former spouse <laughs> and my wife would go you can't send that <laughs> you we need to change <laughs> a few of those sentences mm-hmm. and luckily she's my editor when it came to uh, those types of situations and that's where you know if if you have a partner that understands you know your emotions; it helps. And when it came time to trying to negotiate, you know, my wife was really good at saying, "Change it, change the wording here, and then, and then go from there." And you know, one thing that I, I just had a conversation uh, with my dad yesterday, and and he was—I've had some little ebbs and flows these these past couple of months, and he was just saying how proud of, uh, of, of me of, you know being able to go through these situations I told him one of the biggest things for me was uh, stoic philosophy and the reason why is when you're dealing with a former spouse you obviously you can't control them you can't control you know what they're going to do or how they're going to react I mean when you send an email or a text the way they interpret it isn't the way you might have sent it and so that's why i love stoic philosophy is you can only control what what you can control and that's probably one of the things that's really helped me um especially this, these past couple of years is is the philosophy that you, you just can't control other people and there have been times where as, as much as I would like to, you know, be the puppet master, it, it, it just doesn't happen.
0: But I love that realism. And, uh, and actually it's a place, it's a very, very powerful place to start from, isn't it? Because by working on what you can control, which is yourself, your reactions, getting support about, you know, read this, or should I wait till the morning before I send it? All of those things are uh, very powerful ways to influence a, a much healthier co-parenting relationship, even if you've got the ex from hell, which is what we no. want to believe in. Thank you so much, um, to, Tommy, so much for your help. And, uh, and uh, I know you were just agreeing generally with me. It was nothing personal to do with you at all. No, so thank, never, thank, never, Susie. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to uh, having you back again soon.
1: Thanks, Susie. And, and go watch Ted Lasso.
0: I definitely on the top of my watch list now. <laughs> Bye for now. Yeah, I love uh, successful stories um, of co-parenting. And, yeah, and it's not easy. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever, ever do. And I love uh, I love Tommy's honesty and he does a fantastic podcast, which he will be putting the link to um, when this goes out everywhere. So grab it. Uh, yeah, if you're in that co-parenting situation, definitely give it a listen. So I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit here about about the industry changing as we were talking about in the news stories, and I thought I'd share something with you. Something with you. We did, and and certainly to professionals watching, I think this should be of interest to you because what do people want help with when they're going through divorce? So you'd think from um, resolution, it's yeah they acknowledge it's a wide range of things, but but there's only a certain amount that lawyers can actually provide because they are they practice law. Um, so I thought I'd let you know from the workshop that I ran last night, lovely, brave bunch of people came on and and uh, learnt a few, few things about how to stay out of trouble with their divorce, save lots of money and have a less stressful time. And at the end or during, run up to the workshop and afterwards they get an opportunity to have a, a, a complimentary session with any of the experts that they feel would be useful to them. So I wanted to just give you the numbers of who they wanted to speak to. So very briefly let's see there's a little bit of research if you like. The um, so Let's start with uh, Joanne at the top there. She is a, a mediator and Not surprisingly, uh, about nine people wanted to talk to a mediator. And even though some of them are very, very early on in the state, they haven't waited until a lawyer told them they should talk to a mediator. They're researching, finding out how things work. And some of these people are in very difficult relationships. Some are even in abusive relationships. And they've been told categorically that they shouldn't use mediation. But luckily, Joanne has had great success in many cases with those sorts of of mediation. So um, we, we do a lot of excuse busting in our workshop. So nine people wanted to talk to the mediator. Um, but what's significant is they're doing this way, way before anyone's told them about a MIAMS or anyone's told them about, you know, no lawyer has told them this. They've learned this from the workshop during their research. Uh, Henry, next to Joanna, is our chartered financial planner. Now, Henry, not surprisingly, being a divorce financial workshop and finance being such a fearful area. Uh, Henry had 14 people who ame- pretty much immediately put their hands up and said, uh, we need to talk to you. Ruth, uh, down there underneath Joanne there, Ruth is an expert in dealing with coercive and controlling relationships. Now, Ruth had 10 people, and this was this was my just standard divorce financial workshop, it wasn't the divorcing a difficult spouse workshop, but unfortunately so many people are dealing with coercive controlling or just plain difficult other spouses and uh, so 10 people recognise that Ruth was someone that they needed to talk to. And then Indra, now Indra is a wealth coach, Indra helps people not be afraid uh, of asking for more and and their self-worth and getting rid of their blocks around money. So this is not the kind of thing that a law firm would normally offer as part of their service. But there is in just six people recognised that they needed to speak with her. And finally, and I, I love this. Oh, yeah, wills. We haven't got wills, Lady Emma, because she's too shy to send me a photograph. But uh, six people, very sensibly, and I think there are definitely going to be more to come, realise that they absolutely need to talk to her about their will because this is something that's often forgotten during divorce. And then Debbie. Debbie had seven people. And Debbie uh, is the creator of the Stanford technique. And she's not a lawyer. She's not a financial expert. Uh, she's not a counsellor. She is a healer. But seven people realize that she was the person that they needed to talk to. So I just thought I'd share that with you and I hope some of the professionals watching uh, appreciate that this is what people actually want when they're going through a divorce, a very collaborative, a very holistic approach because there's so many facets that they have to deal with. Now for our shared story, we're going back onto the, the theme of the children. So I'm welcoming now our guest, who's new to the show, Despina. Hello, Despina. Hi. Hi, Phoebe. And where are you calling us from? What part of the world? calling
2: from Athens, Greece.
0: (laughs) Excellent. So we've had America and now we've got Greece. I love this international show Um, because it's the same wherever you are, isn't it? Co-parenting, divorce, it's always a, a tricky journey. And you're going to tell us a little bit about your book. What's the title of your book?
2: Yes, uh, the title is uh, "Mom, Dad, Can You Hear Me?" And Mom, Dad, uh,
0: Can You Hear Me? That is an amazing title for a book. That's amazing, immediately emotive, and uh, so tell us a little bit more about about uh, what the book is about and who who reads it. Is it for children or is it for the parents?
2: Actually, it's for both. Uh, the story it's about a ten years old girl that finds herself in the middle of her parents' fight and she is actually trying to survive and with the help of her teddy bear and her grandmother, she finds a way to communicate to her parents what she really needs from them, Uh, which is a list of uh, simple things like, uh, for example, that I want the same rules in both houses, I don't want you to say bad things to each other, I don't care who pays more for my activities, uh, I want you to communicate for uh, everything that is related to me uh, or for example I want if you find another person in your, in your life I would like to meet him and, and if I meet him and I like him I will accept him and actually wow. this, uh, these are the things that I also wanted to tell to my parents when I was younger because I am coming from a divorced family. And I want it, sorry, yes. <laughs>
0: now I was just going to say, I'm already in love with your book and uh, you must promise to put links to it when I send you to where all the, the show plays because that sounds wonderful. I'm presumably, it's uh, what languages is it, is it in at the moment?
2: It's in English uh, and in Greek language and in, um, in two weeks from now it will be also in Spanish.
0: Fabulous, because it's, it's a, a way for, it's so hard for children to ask those things, especially if their parents are suffering or, or very antagonistic. And to be able to, in a way, ask that through the story, that's fab- fabulous. So, yeah, tell me more about why you, how you came to, to write it.
2: Well, uh, the inspiration came from my personal story because, as I said, I am a kid of separated parents and I was also alienated from my dad for many years. Because, uh, I mean, it was not an amicable divorce. And the motivation came from the mediations, because I am a family mediator in Greece, and I have seen many parents that are coming in the, in the table, and they cannot actually understand how a kid feels and what the kid thinks. Uh, I mean, they are saying that they are trying to do their best for the kid, but at that time, their emotions are so intense that they cannot actually put the kids first even if they want to i mean i'm not saying that as i don't want to blame the parents i just wanted through the story to make them uh, a little bit understand how the kids feel in all this situation the roller coaster of the kids and of course i wanted also through the book to help the children realize that they are not alone there are also other kids that went through something similar and even if they feel that they are in a dark place right, at the moment that they are going through the divorce, at the end they will find the balance.
0: So a, a book of hope for, for the children and the parents. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and without giving too much of the story away, how, how do they, does the, the character in the book get to that point where they can um, put voice to what they want?
2: Well, at the beginning, they are trying. She is feeling that uh, one parent is asking from uh, the other to say things to the other pra- parent, and she is doing a little bit the mediator. And at one point, she gets angry with them, and she stops talking to them. So she does something, and her grandmother uh, helps her to communicate to them uh, how she will talk to them again. Which actually, it was something that I wanted to do, but I never found the courage when I was younger. <laughs>
0: But if you haven't got a grandma to help you, presumably what you can do is uh, if if you can get your parents can get you to a mediate, they can use mediation to do that, can't they? Do do you ever get to work with the children in mediation? Because I've spoken to mediators who'd love, they often say, you know, get your children, not into the same session, but I'll talk to them separately and then carefully translate with the permission of the child, what the child's trying to, would really want to say to the parents. So it's quite a, you know, it's not something that all mediators would want to do, but is that an area that, that you cover, or is that you're able to do that in, in Greece?
2: Well, uh, yes, we are able to do it, of course, with the permission of the parents. And I had case where I talked with the kid in order to help with the mediation to go on, because both parents, they... You know, sometimes the kids are getting a little bit, um, they are trying to take sides and sometimes they are trying to satisfy both parents. So they are saying completely different things to each of the parents. And I understand that very well because I was doing it also as a kid. So I'm always trying to say to the parents that it's good if a mediator talks to the kid because uh, the mediator is a neutral party and can understand better what's going on.
0: And uh, yeah, and then are you allowed to tell us what the uh, what the what that particular case, what that bit of information was, or would that be? Is it too recent?
2: It, it's quite recent, and it also so haven't finished, so I cannot. Uh,
0: but say nonetheless, it, it yeah, it's something. I, I think it's just something really good for parents in any country to be aware of that that is an option, and it doesn't mean the child is sitting. In, in the same room as the parents Mm -hmm. is done in a very careful way. And I think they don't just always realize that. And it's definitely a a wonderful way to help the children have, have a voice in the whole, whole process. Yeah. And so, yeah, so hopefully you're going to let all the UK and us mediators know about your book. Uh, Sorry. I hope you're going to let all the us and UK uh mediators know about your book
2: Yes, yes. (laughs) because it
0: would be a great, a great thing for them, uh, be sharing that's lovely thank you so much for for coming on the show and um and i look forward to you popping your your links for the book so people can find out more about it
2: thank you i will do that thank you
0: that's lovely i'm looking forward to reading that actually um we're going to now have a lovely healing so deep breath relax and i shall uh, actually i've got uh, debbie here it's pre-recorded uh, from last night. This is the healing she did. So if you were at the event, uh, at, the, at the workshop, you'll get another dose. And if you didn't, you won't have missed out on the healing. And Debbie, just to remind you, is uh, the creator of the Stanford technique. She does uses, in part, heat Theta Healing is incorporated, but she uses various modalities. It's very, it's not like counselling. It's very non-invasive. You don't have to remember what happened to you as a child, but she gets some fantastic results, which is why so many people wanted to talk to her after the workshop.
3: Thank you, Susie. Right. Let us all just relax, close your eyes, and put a circle of blue protective light around us and ask that everything we do will be for the greatest and the highest good. We put ourselves under a shower of universal love and light so we can be cleaned both inside and out. Now we are bringing a shaft of white light through the top chakra of your head, down through your body so we can enliven each chakra so it can respond by becoming a truer color and is spinning smoothly round its spindle. We take the light down through the top chakra, which is violet or purple. This is the chakra that sits on the crown of your head, and it represents our ability to be fully connected spiritually. It governs our connection to the divine. There's a mantra for this chakra, which is, I am a vessel for light and love. See it spinning smoothly, beautiful violet, glowing and steady. Now we take the shaft down to the next chakra. Its mantra is I am open to exploring what cannot be seen. Visualize it, a beautiful deep blue light spinning smoothly around the white light spindle. The next chakra is the throat chakra which is a light blue. It gives voice to the heart chakra and controls our ability to communicate our personal power. It helps us to express ourselves truly and clearly. Its mantra is, I speak my truth always. We bring that shaft of light down to that chakra and watching, watching it spinning clear and true And now we take the shaft of light down to the next chakra, the heart chakra, which is greed. It's a chakra, which is the bridge between the lower ones, which are associated with the material and the upper chakras, which are more to do with spirituality. It's about love, relationships and self acceptance. So it influences our ability to give and receive love from others and ourselves and our ability to be open to the people in our lives and to experience deep compassion and sympathy. It controls joy and inner peace. Visualize it spinning smoothly, a lovely fresh green. The mantra for this one is when I love myself, loving others comes easily. The next chakra is at the solar plexus and it's yellow, gold. It controls your sense of self worth, self confidence and self esteem and has to do with personal power. See it clear and positive and bright. The mantra for this chakra is self love starts when I accept all parts of myself and it allows one the freedom to express one's true self. Let's move this light further down to the next chakra, which is orange just below the navel. This one helps inform how we relate to our emotions, and other people's emotions, and helps us feel control in our lives. It governs creativity and sexuality, and our feelings of pleasure. Its mantra is, I always honor others, but not before myself. Visualize it glowing orange, spinning smoothly round the shaft of white light. Now down to the root chakra, which is rich, pure red, which is at the base of the spine. This controls survival issues like financial independence, money, food. It represents our foundations and a sense of being grounded. When it's open, it helps us feel confident in our ability to withstand challenges and stand on our own two feet and gives us a sense of belonging. When it's blocked, we feel threatened as if we are standing on unstable ground. So visualize this red light, no no dark streaks in it, just pure red light, spinning smoothly, pure. The mantra for this chakra is I can grow best from a steady foundation. Now we draw the shaft of white light down through us to start pooling around our feet. And the pool is getting bigger and bigger, turning into a lake all around us. Allow anything in there that is not of the light to become one with the light. Or you can send it back to where it came from. Watch any darkness disperse and the white light become pure and bright. And you are standing in the center. Now, we take an imaginary bazooka and we aim it at the black clouds we may have about our head and the small of our back and bazooka the cloud above your head and watch it disintegrate and see what's there in its place. And now bazooka the black cloud behind the small of your back And watch that disintegrate. Now we're going to peel ourselves of the negative thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, A bit like peeling a grape, one layer at a time. So let us start with despair and let us peel this layer off. And now we peel ourselves of hopelessness. And now we peel ourselves of stress and now of disconnection. Lethargy, peel it off. Negative influences, clean yourself off from that hatred, your own and other people's. And what about defeat, peel yourself of defeat, a wish to give up. Peel yourself of a fear of the future and peel yourself of I'm not valid unless I'm married. Peel them all off. Feel the extra space so you can breathe more deeply. Attract some good things to us and let us breathe it in into the extra space we've created. So let's start with happiness. Attract happiness as though you were a magnet attracting it. And breathe it in. Right the way down to the bottom of your lungs. And now breathe in light-heartedness. How about well-being and contentment? Breathe them in. Compassion. Breathe it in. Detachment, which will allow the universe to bring good to you. Breathe it in. And feel yourself expanding. And softening. We're still going to breathe in more. A sense of humor, perhaps. Difficult to maintain in hard circumstances. Breathe it in. Financial security. Breathe it in. The ability to relax. Breathe it in. And wonderful health, because difficult circumstances often take a toll on your health. Breathe it in. And now we're going to reconnect or strengthen our connections to our higher beings. So we take the energy from the heart and up through the top of your head to your creator who receives it and responds by sending it back through the top chakra, down through all the chakras, back up to your heart and then linking it back to your creator. And with that energy from the creator comes love protection hope and being cared for and then we reconnect to your soul without which you wouldn't be here so take the energy from your heart right up through the chakras through the top of your head to your soul And an answering energy from your soul down through your top chakra down through all the chakras to your base chakra and back up to your heart. And with that comes a sense of protection, a sense of belonging, a sense of knowing that everything is going to be all right in the end. And now three times say loud and clear, I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. Thank you. Open your eyes. And wishing you all peace and contentment.
0: I hope you're fully rested. And in the war of divorce and on the battlefield of family separation, always, always make peace your weapon of choice.